before we get to today's Insurance Uncovered, we wanted to tell you about an opportunity from podcast sponsor Balto. Do your agents sometimes forget to say the right things on sales or claims calls? Maybe they overlook discovery questions that build trust with a potential policyholder or missed collecting key information on a first notice of loss call. Well, with Balto, you can scale excellent insurance conversations to your agents at the push of a button. Balto rides along your agent's screens, listens to both sides of the conversation, and shows them the best things to say live on the call, instead of after the moment's lost. After just 14 weeks of using Balto, National General Insurance saw 16% higher conversions and 53-second lower handle times. Head over to balto.ai slash to get a free pair of Bose headphones for a demo. Welcome back to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hi everyone, I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering the mutual factor. Aon's Patrick Matthews and Chris Delhi discuss new mutual industry trends from the 2021 report. Plus, an update to national floodplain standards, how you can help FEMA address concerns in flood-prone areas. And Namico has a new CEO. We'll introduce the new head of Namek Insurance Company. But first in Washington, the White House has announced a series of new proposals for climate initiatives, including new building standards for structures in flood-vulnerable areas. The Federal Emergency Management Agency is seeking public input for how to reform the National Flood Insurance Program's building and land use standards, where the last major update took place in 1976. FEMA is looking for information on what updates and revisions are necessary, and they're looking at existing codes, improving floodplain mapping, and incorporating disclosure of flood risk by sellers into the NFIP. NAMIC has been working for years on Capitol Hill and in states around the nation to advance policies designed to increase the resiliency of homes and communities to flooding. Well, it looks like Congress is interested in building a weather-ready nation. The House Science, Space and Technology Committee recently held a hearing to discuss the future of forecasting. Testimony from witnesses focused mainly on the current and future technology and resources that are available to identify and forecast extreme weather. Lawmakers, on the other hand, focused more on the importance of pre-disaster mitigation and resiliency. Associate Director of International Hurricane Research Center at Florida International University, Eric Selna, was asked by one committee member about the importance of mitigation efforts. So resilience, that's, that's the key word, right? And how can we all be more resilient? And another one of the words is, is mitigation. And as we know, we've heard of that formula. For every $1 spent on mitigation saves at least $6 in damage and cleanup. So it makes fiscal sense to do what we can on the front end, right? To build stronger, build better. Ahead of the hearing, NAMIC had worked with committee members to educate them about the essential role that property casualty insurers and groups like the Build Strong Coalition play. These are the organizations promoting critical initiatives that ultimately contribute to reducing loss of life and property during extreme weather events and natural disasters. 
For the past three months, Namek Insurance Company has been on the hunt for its new leader for the organization. And just last week, the Namico Board of Directors unanimously agreed to appoint Namico Staff Officer Jennifer Hamilton as the company's next president and CEO. Jen has been with Namico since 2016, serving most recently as Vice President of Claims, where she was responsible for all aspects of the company's claim handling process. Jen will join us on our next podcast on November 3rd for an unscripted discussion with Neil Aldridge. You'll get a chance to get to know Jen a little better and understand her vision for Namico. She'll also discuss some important issues facing professional liability insurers like cybersecurity and pandemic-related claims. This week on Unscripted, we're turning our attention to the latest edition of the annual report on our industry. As many of you know, NAMIC has partnered with Aon for three years to publish a report on how mutual property casualties insurers are doing in terms of market performance. And as usual, the 2021 report delivers some interesting insights. You'll also learn about the impact of ratings agency criteria on mutual insurers and about what independent agents think about mutuals. So on today's Unscripted, NAMIC CEO Neil Aldridge sits down with Aon's Chris Delhi and Pat Matthews to talk about the new findings in this year's report. It's been a few weeks since the NAMIC convention and since we unveiled the 2021 mutual factor. And once again, as we've done in the past year, we've invited the authors of the mutual factor to, to join us here on the podcast to talk about the latest report. So today, joining me from Aon is Chris Delhi and Pat Matthew, NAMIC's longtime partner in the production of the important annual report, the mutual factor. So welcome, Chris and Pat. And we're delighted to have you on the show today. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Glad to be here. So, Chris, yeah, let's start with you, Chris. So let's jump right in, and we'll start with you and say, so the 2021 marks the third year of Aon working with NAMIC on the mutual factor. Can you tell our listeners a little about the background of the mutual factor, about how the project came about and evolved over time? Sure, Neil, thanks. Uh, firstly, maybe I'd say that on behalf of Aon, we could not be more excited and honored to continue our partnership with NAMIC on this important report. Uh, we think it's a terrific uh, project and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. You know, the report itself started out as sort of a straight year-on-year comparison of statistics, inclusive of some five-year averages that allowed companies to kind of compare themselves to the industry, uh, to their competitors on the stock side, and really sort of see where they, where they were at uh, on a level playing field. I think one of the things that's really become important about it, however, is that it's grown to include a lot of additional statistics. It's also, we've added some AMBEST criteria and, and rating agency information, and we've been able to add mid-year results. The, the additional piece that I think I'd, I'd maybe call out is the fact that each and every year we have a section that's sort of adjustable or to be determined and we add something that's topical or, or, you know, maybe in our view important to the industry at that time. Last year we had a survey of mutual company leaders. This year we added a survey of the all-important agency force that supports the mutual companies. And I hope uh, people will take a close look at that because there's some really interesting information there. Yeah, that's great, Chris. I, I couldn't agree more with you about the partnership between NAMIC and Aon on this project. I know we get a lot of value out of it. The membership values it. So let's talk about that just a little bit. We at NAMIC get a lot of feedback out of the report. We use it with member meetings and we talk. It gives us 
you know, good sets of talking points, arms the membership with knowledge about how they perform and sort of how public opinion is about the mutual industry. So what kind of feedback does Aon receive about the mutual factor? Well, you know, I'm really pleased to report, uh, you know, that we actually get a really enthusiastic and complimentary response to the report. You know, mutual companies, leaders like to keep it on their credenza and have it handy to always sort of pull out and compare their statistics to the industry overall and, it, you know, get some perspective on how they stack up, you know, where they might want to um, attack some opportunities, things like that. Interestingly, this year, you know, as people have gotten used to the idea of, of the report, I actually got quite a few emails and calls asking me when it was going to be available and, and kind of pushing to get it. So I think that's certainly a positive sign. Yeah, that's great. We get the same calls. It, it really is what we intended to do to set out. People are beginning to look forward to this, and that's, that's a great response and, and certainly is testament to the value of the project. So, Pat, let's turn to you now, and, and you're one of the chief architects of what's actually in the report um, in terms of the substance, so let's turn to that now. So let's get into the specifics a little bit about the report and, you know, what, are the, what from your perspective, what are some of the most important pieces of information that came from the 2021 edition? Thanks, Neil. Um, I think there's a number of real positive observations from the report, specifically on the mutual industry. Uh, you know, 2020 for the full year was a combined ratio of, uh, of 100%. And even through the first half of the year that Chris mentioned, we kind of now do six months, we're slightly over 100%. So real just strong performance for the industry. Um, more broadly, for the total industry, right, $13 billion of return premium to policyholders during the peak of the pandemic, right? And what we found interesting, $6.1 billion, or 47% of that, was for mutuals. And when we did a market share test, mutuals actually gave a greater proportion of that, you know, 47% is a greater proportion than our relative market share, which is also in the report. So that's, you know, kind of number two. And number three, on the survey that NAMIC conducted with the independent agents, um, independent agents view mutuals more favorably than stock companies in a number of criteria. And some of that evidence comes through where the, the broader, uh, a 10% greater market share of the independent agents are given to mutuals because of the favorable attributes they see on some of those key aspects they evaluate with their insurance companies. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the last point in particular, it's always interesting to see how the agents view the companies and they, you know, probably the, maybe the most informed audience to some degree about the differences between mutuals and other structures. And so it's, it's gratifying to see their, their positive response. So was there anything new or particularly surprising to you in this year's edition? You know, it's there was, uh, there's a couple new things, uh, but I'll start with the surprising piece and back to that independent agent survey. There was a number of areas that were surveyed and some that showed the mutuals outshine the stocks and some that highlighted the stocks, uh, maybe about shining mutuals. And the piece that was really surprising to us is um, the perception that stock companies are very strong financially, more so than mutuals. And the, the surprise piece is when we look at the data, specifically AMBES benchmarking data, the mutuals have a higher capital adequacy ratio score as compared to the stock companies. And also 89% um, of mutuals have a very strong or, or higher balance sheet strength assessment from AMBES compared to 81% of the stock companies. So not to say stock companies aren't very financially strong, but ultimately the perception from the agents are more tilted toward the stocks, but the data actually shows it's more supportive of mutuals being very financially strong. 
Yeah, that's that's terrific. It, certainly, the mutual industry has been around in some cases for a couple of hundred years, and so that financial strength is is very important in in serving their policyholders. So let's talk a little bit about in 2020. We were able to add, as we mentioned earlier a look at uh, sort of the performance of the industry in that year, given the pandemic and the, and what well, all that was going on in the economy. So we, we were able to include in the report the first half of 2020 numbers into that report. So talk a little bit about how the second half fared. Sure, thanks, Neil. And I'll, I'll start with the first half quickly because uh, I remember back last year, we couldn't go to convention without talking about the first half of the year, right? Which kind of spurred uh, the further innovation into the report itself. And the combined ratio for the mutuals through six months of 2020 was a one of two seven. And ultimately, end up the year slightly above 100. So the, the second half really, you know, was a solid underwriting performance year for the mutuals. Uh, below 100 to get the, the total year to around 100% combined ratio. At the same time, despite all the volatility that was happening, especially in the first half of the market, uh, the financial markets, mutuals grew their surplus around 8% for the year, uh, 3% for the first half, but a, a stronger 5% through the second half of the year. So really, um, once there's uh, once the market got settled down a little bit, real strong performance from the mutuals for the second half of t- 2020. Yeah, that's great. And so looking forward then, how does that compare, do you think, to the first six months of 21? Yeah, the first six months with 21 continue to be um, very solid. You know, we're estimating a, a combined ratio of 100.3%. And more impressively, uh, and compared that 100.3 to 102.7, you know, the same period a year ago, but more impressively, uh, surplus grown by 15% through the first six months of 2021 compared to only 3% as we, as the pandemic was emerging. So, you know, back to that strong balance sheet and, and ability to grow uh, surplus, the mutuals did a terrific job through the first six months of 2021. Well, that's great. And, and certainly, you know, the industry is well prepared. Unfortunately, we have uh, an active uh, catastrophe season again this year, as we saw in 2020. Uh, so, so look at that, you know, based on what we've experienced so far in the second half of the year, wildfires, hurricanes, uh, all the other calamities. Uh, how do you think the end of year 2021 is shaping up? Yeah, there's uh, certainly uh, the industry and, and mutuals um, along the way are, are facing uh, heightened losses from Q3, um, you know, most notably Hurricane Ida. Uh, and, and the one thing we want to remind ourselves 2020 wasn't an easy year, right? That was a heightened uh, catastrophe loss year for the industry. So despite producing 100% combined ratio in 2020, as well as through the first half of 2021, which also had heightened cat activity from uh, from winter storm Yuri, right? The industry and mutuals have, been, have shown their resilience. Uh, when we kind of estimate going forward, we do expect a full year combined ratio to, to uptick uh, from the current 100% combined ratio for mutuals, maybe two, three points, depending upon a couple factors, right? Continued uh, pricing improvement, uh, how Q4 cat loss activity, and ultimately uh, any view on, on loss reserves as, as they affect year-end financials and, and the combined ratio, but still expect to be a, a financially strong, uh, well-capitalized industry. Yeah, I think I saw a stat that showed 2020 had over 20, little over 20 events, catastrophe events that were over a billion dollars. I just read something this morning that said 21 looks like it may outstrip that number. So uh, indeed, uh, financial financial strength is 
pretty important uh, given all that's going on in the environment right now. So Chris, let's turn back to you. After three years now of the mutual factor, working with Aon and Namek, what is your overall takeaway regarding the state of the industry, the mutual industry in particular? Thanks, Neil. You know, Pat just highlighted a lot of really solid statistics, and and you know they they reflect a fairly continuous trend throughout the three years that we've been working on the report. And essentially, what the what they say is that the mutual industry is financially strong, it's growing, and the recent agency survey you know makes it clear that it's held in very high regard. The, these statistics and outputs really confirm to us that the things that the mutual industry uh, advertises like long-term commitment and placing the policyholders first, those things, are, they're really living those values and they're, they're clearly apparent in the statistics. I think also if you, you just think about the growth that, that's successfully being accomplished side-by-side side with the positive feedback from the agents, it's clear also that all the challenges that are you know, out there and continuing to appear you know, in terms of loss activity and, and many other things, you know, the, the, the industry is very much, you know, rising to those occasions and, and those challenges and dealing with them quite well. So what do you think, any predictions for 2022 in terms of the report there and what we might see this year? Well, I think, you know, I think we'll probably see more of the same. You know, the, the consistency uh, that, that's driven the industry and been such a hallmark of its um, success is, is likely to hold. You know, there are a number of, of challenges and things out there that are new or, or maybe uh, developing, you know, things like climate change. There's there's an unusual amount of uncertainty around the property cap models these days. You know, there's social inflation to be addressed. And there's obviously new type of competition starting to develop in terms of, you know, sort of tech-enabled direct competitors. But, you know, what we see is the, the industry continuing to be vigilant and, and continuing to deal with those um, you know, successfully and without any uh, hiccups. And, and well, Neil, if I may add. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, I'd say one of the things that was new in this year's report we expect to expand on is we looked at rating activity for the first half of the year for 2021 from AMBEST and mm-hmm. noted that 73% of rating upgrades were mutual companies being upgraded compared to the, the total population, right? So that was very encouraging and also feel like there's going to be value in the report now, not just to have the benchmarking, but to say what are the driving factors of those upgrades. And we also looked at downgrades, and of the downgrades, mutuals represented one-third of the downgrades, so disproportionately more upgrades than downgrades. Uh, but just so as a collective group, right, we can learn from what are the key triggers, whether it's balance sheet strength or operating performance or ERM or business profile. And so kind of taking a full year look at that uh, and then another six months for the for the 2022 report. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to track, Pat, for certain. And it really is another testament to the strength of the industry and how well it's performing, even uh, meeting policyholder demand for, you know, losses, losses that are certainly not slowing down. That's for certain. Well, listen, both of you, thank you uh, for joining us today. Thank you for the partnership between Aon and NAMIC. It uh, really is a, a great working relationship. It's something I know we always look forward to every year, putting the report together. I know the membership looks forward to it. And uh, we really can't thank you both enough for joining us and talking about the report today. And that's a wrap for us this week on Insurance Uncovered. But don't forget to tune in in two weeks when we'll be back again with another edition on November 3rd. 
Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a wonderful day.